This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Tonight's Philly Labor Show has been pre-recorded and includes interviews from previous shows. Krause, J-Doc, and Ryan Boyer will return live in two weeks on September 9th, following the Labor Day holiday. It's Saturday Night Live on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Good evening, everybody, and welcome in Delaware Valley. Another Saturday upon us, and wow, do we have a great show uh, lined up for you today, along with Ryan Boyer in the studio. I'm Joe Krause, and of course, J-Doc in the studio. J-Doc, we're setting our table a little bit different tonight. We normally go through the process. We do the drum roll. We sample the food. Tonight, we're setting our dinner table for Union Solidarity Night, tell us about it. Exactly. We're going to we're gonna uh, taste our food, but we're going to not taste it live on the air. We're going to taste it up at the Bricklayers Local 1 Union Hall. Uh, we have a Union Solidarity Night uh, up at uh, up at the Bricklayers Union Hall. And, and uh, great cause. We're, we're going to be watching the, the Mayweather-McGregor fight up there. And uh, certainly the, the, the cause is near and dear to me. I want to welcome all union members, f- union families, and Friends of Labor up the Bricklayers Local uh, 1. Uh, it's 2706 Black Lake Road, right up there uh, around, uh, right up the street. I think it's right on McNulty Boulevard. Uh, and and uh, certainly uh, it, it, we're going to watch the fight. It's going to be union solidarity. And, and, and the benefit benefits uh, a very near and dear uh, charity. It's it's the Joe Doherty um, Legal Defense Fund. And, and certainly that's a near and dear charity to me. It's my father. Uh, and anybody who knows him knows he shouldn't be where he's at. And certainly we're we're uh, going to all celebrate union solidarity, uh, you know, up at the Bricklayers Local Union One. And we're going to taste our food up there. We're going to have our tasting. There's going to be food, beverages, and a lot of great fun and some awesome fights. All right. Good stuff. Again, union members, friends of labor. You are cordially invited tonight. It's the big fight. Mayweather and McGregor will give you more details as the show rolls on. You know, I wrote a little, uh, I had a little post on Facebook myself, uh, and 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 I because all this statue stuff is really really eating me up, and and so I said, if you identify with what a statue stands for, then admire it. If you oppose what a statue stands for, then let it serve as a reminder of a part of history you choose not to repeat. Let's not let statues define us as people or divide us as Americans. What, what's going on here in Philadelphia is a, is a knee-jerk reaction to what happened down south. So uh, I'm happy to bring on to the, uh, to, on the, onto the line Frank Rizzo, Jr. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Frank, um, you hear what's going on, uh, certainly um, you know, stemming from what, what happened down south. Tell us your, your thoughts right now. Well, I think you said exactly it. Uh, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It has nothing to do with uh, the Confederate generals that have uh, monuments throughout the United States of America. Frank Rizzo became mayor after being police commissioner 
a huge majority of African Americans voted for him. This is a bunch of agitators and people that don't know Frank Rizzo. They weren't even born when Frank Rizzo uh, served the city of Philadelphia that he loved more than anything other than his family, died trying to come back mayor of Philadelphia, integrated the Philadelphia Police Department when he was first commissioner. Police officers used to work two blacks, two whites to a car. He didn't like that. He wanted a black and a white officer working together. He put his life on the line for every race in the city of Philadelphia and visitors to the city. He wasn't for bad guys. He wasn't for someone that would hit old lady over the head with a pipe. They were criminals to him, and he didn't care what color they were. Frank Rizzo, Jr., joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor, along with J-Doc in the studio. Lou Ager is our special guest in the studio. He'll be with us. Frank, when you see, when you look, and you hear, and you um, listen to the noise that's uh, out around the Delaware Valley, and then you um, see uh, the defacing of the statue. You react how? Well, you know, overnight they now deface the beautiful mural that was really, really well done uh, down at Ninth and Montrose in in, in South Philadelphia. Um, Make so many people happy. I, you know, I kid my friends sometimes when I'm out, and I'll say. Uh, when we're in Center City and I passed my dad's statue, I said, you know, I'm wondering who's having more action this uh, today, the Rocky statue or the Rizzo statue. Right. It, 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 it's, it's part, he's part of Philadelphia. And like so many people have said, we can't change history. He was the police chief. He started as a cop on the beat. He did his job, did it well, had one of the finest police departments in the United States of America, protected all Philadelphians. And again, I repeat, became the mayor of Philadelphia right after serving as a police officer and police commissioner in one of the largest majority elections ever. If he were a racist, he would never have gotten elected the first time. Unfortunately, uh, there are people out there that don't know this man. The people during his time as police commissioner and mayor, his security detail, when they were weighing in the, at scenes of, of turbulence and, and turmoil, African-American police officers, Tony Fullwood, Eddie Harrell, Jimmy Turner, ate at our dinner, to- at, at our dinner table every night after they got in at uh, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. My mom's 101 years old, and she said she just can't believe what's going on. So all I can say is, Frank Rizzo, my father, I never saw him be disrespectful in his life to any race. Bad guys, if they happen to be black, if they happen to be white, yeah, he didn't particularly like them or care for them. Frank, we, yeah, we, we talked a little bit earlier today, and we talked about some of the difficult situations that, you're, that your father encountered, and you talked about, uh, and, and I talked about the, uh, that iconic photo with the, with the nightstick, uh, and, and you, would, you would actually explain that to me, uh, because sometimes, you know, some of these, uh, these images, you know, that you can find them online, and, and, and certainly they were part of the media. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, you're talking about the picture that uh, was snapped at him with a nightstick when he was in a tuxedo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is a that is a funny story, and I'll tell you I'll tell you another funny story. And Thatcher Longstreth and myself used to laugh about this, but he was at a formal event at the Bellevue Stratford with my mom. Uh, a phone call came in. One of the security people from the hotel came over and said, "Commissioner, could you come to the phone or deputy commissioner, whatever it was?" Um, and 
he went to the phone, and there was a disturbance. I believe it was in Grace Ferry. And I uh, remember that he left the event in the tuxedo. He wasn't the kind of guy that wanted, would go home and get changed. When there was a need for a top commander, that being him, he went in the middle of the night to fires. You know, broke his hip at, on the, at the refinery fire. He was where the action was. If, and he needed to be there because he was the one that motivated, kept the commanders going forward, kept the police officers that may have worked hard, long hours. So they got down to Grace Ferry, and back then, um, we don't tell a lot of people this part of the story, but he smoked cigarettes. And uh, he was lighting up a cigarette, and he it was a little bit windy, and he couldn't get it lit. So he put the, cummer, uh, the nightstick that he had in his hand in his cummerbund so he'd have two fans, hands, one the cup, the, the lighter, the match, and uh, to light up. And one of the photographers spotted that cummerbund scene, the nightstick in the cummerbund, put that in the, in, the, uh, in the paper, and the next was history. And it's funny. They thought that was going to be a negative, uh, a negative photo. And Thatcher Longstreth had millions, not millions, but thousands of these uh, uh, pictures of that uh, cummerbund blown up, and they put them on poles all over the city of Philadelphia. Right. The funny part is they came to the, uh, they, my dad would come to a, uh, an event in the neighborhood. The kids and the people would be ripping them all off, and the opposition <laughs> thought they were being negative and wanting them to be autographed. So, you know, uh, that's the story about the nightstick in the cummerbund. He but you was, also talked about in Grace Ferry, um, there was because I had asked you, and I, you know, I said, you know, uh, we talked about the stereotypes, and we talked about uh, the African American community, and a lot of the um, the images that uh, are being talked about today. And you had said to me about that incident in Grace Ferry, or at least another when he had to intervene in in race in, in a race riot. Um, he he tell us a little bit about that. Okay, uh, when he. Went to, I believe, again, and someone out there will correct me if I'm wrong. There was an incident where blacks and whites were getting together and uh, having some um, a racial uh, issue in the in the neighborhood. He went down there, he separated them, and he told the whites, "You're going to behave. You're going to do. You're not going to do anything anything wrong. You're not going to try to hurt anybody." And he told the blacks the same thing, same story, equal treatment. You know. He had an, they had an expression about Frank Rizzo. He was firm but fair, and there was a perfect example of firm and fairness. The white guys behave, don't do anything, or you'll be dealt with. The blacks got the same sermon. Frank Rizzo Jr. joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Frank, if your father were alive today, how would he react to well, what's happening in the world. He would, uh, I, I don't think he would believe what is going on. I think that uh, things like uh, Virginia and the marches in Boston and all the disorder throughout the world, uh, what occurred in Spain and other parts right. of the world, it's just uh, to the point where it's hard to, it's, it's hard to believe. And I know that if he were, the mayor of a big city, there would be no sanctuary city. If you break law, if you break federal law, there would be uh, an appropriate way to work with the federal government. I mean, can you imagine if, uh, a person breaks the law and the police won't notify the uh, uh, the feds that they have in custody uh, a person that was arrested for a crime? So 
It just he, he, he that wouldn't la- that would have never happened in Philadelphia. But times have changed, and personalities have changed, and uh, opinions have changed. So there's things going on in the world that we don't necessarily ad- agree with, but have no control over. Lou Ager, uh, who is the uh, president of the Philadelphia Metal Trades Council, is our guest in the studio tonight. Lou, once away in Lou. Hey, Lou. Uh, how you doing, Councilman? Hello, nice Lou. talking to you again. I, as a matter of fact, you, uh, your father, and probably you live used to live right behind me on uh, when you used to live on Mount Pleasant Avenue before that's you moved to Private Road. I lived my bedroom looked down to your house. Oh my god! Growing well, up, yeah, but you know that's I, where all the stories are. And all the stories <laughs> are in that sideline. Safe <laughs> neighborhood. Yeah, I'm in a way, and you know. For, and look, I admire your father, even though he, you know, we had our run-ins at points, you know, sure. at, at demonstrations or whatever. And and nobody was more pro-labor. I will tell you, I talked to a friend of mine from AFSCME yesterday, and he is 100% for keeping that statue up. But he was a nuanced guy. He was a very, very complicated guy, and he has set the plate for everything that happened in Philadelphia. Whether it's Wilson Good or Ed Rendell or John Street, the image of Frank Rizzo hangs over this whole city, for good and for bad. And, and, and I'll tell you, I do not think they should take the statue down until everybody in the city has a job, every neighborhood is safe, everybody can get drug treatment, and every kid gets a good education. When that happens, then we can deal with statues. Absolutely. Well, you know, and I would say this. Um, your dad, you know, and I would say uh, in his later years particularly, but he was the type of individual that didn't have a filter sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you know, I, I know I had a father just like that. And, and uh, you know, he spoke his mind and wasn't somebody who was politically correct. And so, and sometimes when you see the, uh, you know, the old, uh, what was that when he was dealing with the newspaper, the news media guy, I forget. What he, yeah, Stan Borman. Well, Stan Borman got exactly what he deserved. Right. My and father bo- said to him, Look, I'm a private citizen now. Leave me alone. I'm out walking my dog. Stop tracking me down. Right. He didn't get the message, and then and my dad, like you Game say, of, unfiltered, unloaded on him. Right. And 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 I forget what he called him, but I could say he called that, him a lush, and he was right. And at the end of the day, do you think so? You know, in other words, when they, when they when they're not trying to make someone look good, they they stereotyped them with stuff like that. But at least with Frank Rizzo, when when you got you knew where you stood. And at the end of the day, you think um, those type of images they're, they're trying to use against them? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, the guys in labor will know uh, that people would go into his office and a lot of guys would say, hey, do we, we better get that in writing. They knew when they walked out of there, they had a deal. There was no uh, 10 minutes later, a phone call. Uh, oh, I didn't mean what I said. My dad went and got, when they built the commuter tunnel, the labor unions in this town were not working. And my father went to a Republican president, President Nixon, and got the money to do the commuter tunnel in the city of Philadelphia that put a lot of people to work. And he was not going to not have that happen. So, uh, again, they try to stereotype, they try to paint images of my dad not, not being an articulate, smart guy, let me tell you, I've talked to a lot of people that dealt with them, professors and PhDs and peoples with, people with doctorates. They said he could sit down in a room and understand an issue in 10 minutes where they were still trying to figure it out. You know, the interesting thing when you, when you talk about it, uh, you know, you, you, I, and I think about it, what would you say to people? Uh, you know, our listeners out there took, listen, I, I want to say this. I'm, I'm sensitive. I have so many friends in the African-American community and I'm sensitive to, um, you know, what, what, what people have gone through and, 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 and I'm sensitive to history. Um, and at the same time, uh, 
you know, I'm sensitive to, to the needs in, in, in our communities. Uh, what would you say to people today? You grew up in, 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 in the same house as, as Frank Rizzo. What would you say to people listening that they might not know about your father? Maybe something he taught you growing up. Well, he was one of the kindest guys and wanted to help people. Let me tell you about my beginnings out of high school. Never went to college. I became a lineman for the Philadelphia Electric Company. And a lot of people will be surprised to hear this. The gentleman that I loved and I worked for, for the best part of my career as a lineman for almost uh, eight years uh, before I I moved on to other things, was an African-American foreman who treated me like a son, and I finally treated him like he was part of the family. Christmases, you name it. John was was my buddy, taught me well. I I took a lot of heat uh, from some of the the white guys that I worked uh, with at Pico at the time, in a nice way, not a mean way, uh, that, uh, you know, I was working for an African-American foreman. And I talked to my dad about that one day, and he told me, son, don't let anybody ever upset you. John's a great man. You learned a lot from him, and he, um, he's a good person. And that was the kind of thing. He, he, he could have picked up the phone and probably made a phone call and got me moved over to a white foreman. Not, and I stayed with, my, uh, with, with, with John Francis for the best part of my career in, uh, in, the, line, in the line crews. So that's the kind of guy he was. Uh, he, he, like I said, the guys that were around him, Jimmy Turner, Tony Fullwood, sure. Eddie Harrell, all the black police officers that were his security detail. My mom would have a dinner ready for eight people sure. at night when they came home. Hey, come on now. At 8 o'clock at night, there weren't too many places where you could get a good meal. And they were like part of our family. And still today, uh, I'm still in touch with some of them that are still alive. Unfortunately, Tony Fullwood, big Tony that worked for Lynn Abraham, he's deceased now, and some of the others are gone. But uh, they loved him, and he loved them. And and uh, so, Frank, we're going to bring Dan Loney into, t- t- hey, into Dan. the discussion. Hey, hey Frank, uh, I do the show right after these guys, but I-, I am probably the only person at this station that can say that I worked here when your dad did the show <laughs> on 1210 oh, as a producer with Ruth Weisberg. Right, Ruthie. That, but he, and I was just about to say the greatest line I remember from working that show was, Ruthie, let's go to the phones. That's right. Yep. And and, and Billy I will. Muggleson, Woody, do you see any police cars out there, Billy? Well, well, I'm going to tell you one one quick story. I was going to Temple University at the time, late '80s, and one day I had my car broken into at Temple, and I had to come into work at 12:10. And Frank saw me, and he knew I was mad. And he goes, Danny, what's what's up? I said, Frank, I just had my car broken into at Temple. I had a bunch of my books stolen. Uh, you know, I was in communications at Temple. I had a, a recorder, like about a three hundred dollar tape recorder stolen. And he goes, Danny, where it was at Temple. I'm going to call the detectives and find out what's going on with it. And dang, if he didn't call, and I found out like you know two or three hours later, an update on what was going on. Well, he was a nice man. Oh, uh, can I tell you, there was. When he told you he was going to do something, and everybody in the studio probably knows, and like I said a few minutes ago, when his word was his bond, especially when it came to the uh, to the, to, to organized labor. If if you know he could fight like hell with you, but if he told you something, it was it was a done deal. No 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 double talk.
Frank Rizzo Jr. joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, along with Lou Ager in the studio and J. Doc M. Uh, Krause. Uh, Joe, Tom, Jody, and Seamus all waiting to jump in uh, on the phone lines. We'll get to you. We just have a minute or two uh, left with uh, Frank Rizzo Jr., who was so kind to come on to the uh, big show tonight uh, uh, and join us. Frank, uh, ending the segment or ending the process uh, during this show, and we appreciate you being here. How do you end it? What's your message to all uh, in the Delaware Valley? Because the divide to me, I'm bothered by the divide, not not the want or the desire to change, but the unwillingness to go out and create change. Well, I I think that, uh, unfortunately, the folks that are uh, causing this controversy never knew, don't know, uh, Frank Rizzo. And I'm hoping that the young people especially that are being uh, drawn into this thing will really try to understand and learn what Frank Rizzo was all about. It was about keeping Philadelphia safe. If, uh, if unfortunately, some African-Americans at the time were uh, involved in whatever was going on, he, uh, he wanted to, everyone to be treated fairly. And I think at the end of the day, uh, and hopefully the director of the mural art program, Jane Golden, said that maybe the mural should be taken down. That would be a sad situation if people would just buckle under that pressure uh, to, 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 to end, a, end, end, a, end a situation. You know, you've got to be fair here. You've got to be truthful. Frank Rizzo was not a racist. Ask the thousands and thousands and thousands of people to end it, I'll tell you. Can I? Do I have ten seconds to you tell do. you a quick story? Yes, sir. I'm coming out of work one night, and there's a lady leaning on my dad's statue, and I thought she was sick. I walk over and I said, "Ma'am, are you okay?" And she said, "Turned to me, African American lady." She said, "Oh, I'm fine. I'm here just visiting my friend." And I said, "Your friend?" She said, "Yep. When I needed help, I went and to the mayor's office and told her I told the mayor I was having trouble with my son. She got him. He got him a job." And he turned out to be a good boy. And if, if that hadn't happened, he would have gotten himself in a lot of trouble. So, look, all I know is that my dad was a good guy and a, a fair guy, firm but fair, even with me and my sister raising us. But all I can tell you is that uh, I believe that uh, the honest, intelligent people will pre- prevail and I think the, st- the mural will be cleaned up. The statue is already cleaned up. And I can tell you, you asked me what he would have thought. The only thing I'm, I know he would have been concerned about, if he would have saw the picture with the spray paint all over the statue, the first thing out of his mind, he would have said, Franny, is, did they get any on my shoes? Frank Riz- he was clean as a whistle when it came to his, came to his attire. Frank Rizzo, Jr., joining us here tonight on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Uh, Frank Rizzo, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Guys, and thanks for everybody participating. Bye-bye. Uh, we'll, we'll get to a commercial break here. And welcome back, everyone, to Saturday Night Live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, empowered by Pond Lahaki Stern and Giordano, full-service legal representation and support for our union. Crazy, crazy time, uh, and a lot of crazy conversation has been going on since the show uh, aired last week on a Saturday night with uh, uh, everything that was happening down in uh, Charlottesville, uh, and I thought it was important 
um, to bring back into play and give our audience an opportunity, J-Doc, to listen or to re-listen, listen to the replay of our interview with Congressman Dwight Evans. We had Congressman Dwight Evans on the show live last Saturday as the env- as the events were unfolding down in Charlottesville. Yeah, I, I was. I thought it was a very poignant conversation we had with the congressman, and especially his, you know, his his point that you know it's important for us to talk about these, use our 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 platform to talk about these issues. The amount of hate that is going around, even today, spilling over. Uh, I mean, the, the, those events were so tragic. A woman got run over and killed. Um, the, it's just the worst. A part of human nature and uh, certainly at the end of the day um, you bring in uh, congressman evans on and talking about the whole situation from every standpoint uh, absolutely uh looking forward to re-airing this my son said to me uh yet just yesterday dad i don't get it if you're wh- what is it if you're white you hate black if you're black you hate white i just don't get it and i thought uh it was kind of one of those thoughts that popped into my mind and I thought it made sense for us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor uh, to replay uh, Congressman Dwight Evans in our conversation from a week ago right after the events in Charlottesville. How are you, uh, Congressman? Hey, good morning. I mean, good evening. Congressman, you know, it's funny. Uh, Friday, I looked at your book and it's really appropriate that, you know, ideas matter. And you, of course, signed the book for me. But in there was a card from the late, great Amina Young that it was the first book she had purchased for me. And, and I think that this riot is because ideas no longer matter. It's personalities, right? Unfortunately, uh, it is very unfortunate. I was listening to you and, and all of you talk. I mean, we have a very unfortunate situation occurring. And and, and I do agree that that, that same minds need to step up and say that, look, we need to, that it has to be about peace and harmony. It cannot be about hatred and violence. And this is all centered around, from what I'm understanding, I'm just picking up around the basis of taking down some statutes from the Civil War. The Civil War is over. The Civil War is over. The reality of it is that there are some people who still want in this country still conduct themselves in terms of the Civil War. And the reality of it is we need to have people from both sides that stand up and say enough is enough because this violence is counterproductive. Dr. King, more than anyone, was consistent in that message. He stood up and said over and over again, he obviously said to white people and he said to black people that when it all comes down, that, that we're in this together. And he talked about we may have come over on different boats, but we're in the same boat now. So we can have our disagreements, and I heard what Ryan said, but I do agree that it has become far too destructive in terms of those disagreements. Congressman Dwight Evans joining us here on Saturday Night Live uh, on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Uh, Congressman, does it have to be white versus black does it have to be race versus race can we get can we ever get to a point where that's no longer in the conversation but i think we actually passed though you know if you look at those crowds the the counter demonstrators were mainly white yeah my my point is no i don't think i don't i don't think i don't think until we're doing like we're doing today until we had some frank conversations. Let me tell you something. In South Africa, they had a reconciliation process. In America, we have never had that. 
when you really think about it, we have not had a reconciliation process. When President Mandela took over, he had this reconciliation process. And that's a part of a healing process. When you think about since the emancipation, slavery, civil rights, Jim Crow, all of those things, you think about with Rosa Parks and everything, those were all battles. When you think about what took place with President Lyndon Johnson and the voting rights and everything, we really haven't had that. And, 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 and they are dog whistle issues that are taking place, but we don't want to face up to it. And then if you throw economics on top of it, when you throw economics on top of it, and Ryan can speak to this from the perspective of what has happened to the good, sustainable jobs. So when you take race and the economics on top of it, then you got a pallet cake. But, but the fact of the matter is, uh, we haven't had this kind of conversation, which we should. We shouldn't be fearful of talking about the conversations we have. We shouldn't be fearful of having those conversations. We shouldn't make excuses for having conversations. So when you say, will there be a point where we have a race? I'm saying no. It will never be dealt that way until we face up to the challenges that have happened in this country. There's some healing that has to take place. If you look at South Africa, in the transition that was made in South Africa, and most people thought that was going to be a powder cake, they had a process. Here in America, we're 241 years old, and no one can say we have had a process. And I don't think this can be just politicians, to be blunt with you. I don't think politicians, because politicians run for public office, and they play the audiences. What we're doing on your radio program today it's something that needs to happen over and over again. And it needs to happen. I mean, I can see where all radio stations and TV stations collectively have this kind of larger discussion. Yeah. Until you have that, I don't know how you're going to address it. Yeah, I think the media plays a big role, Dwight. And I agree. Uh, we have a, a media representative here. But now if you look at all the talking head shows, I can almost... Uh, predict what each one of them going to say as soon as I see their title. So it's like they put adversaries there so no ideas are ever discussed. People just try to outshot one another and we do. That was a great point you made about South Africa and the reconciliation process. If you even look at reconstruction they stopped that because a political deal was made to let the South out of reconstruction for votes. So you're absolutely correct Congressman. It can't be politicians because they'll sell you out for a deal. Correct. Uh, and, I, and I'll be the first one to say that to you. The reality of you is not going to happen in the political process. It's going to happen like with this radio program. And, and, and I could see where media across the board would have different people come on collectively and have these discussions. But don't forget the economics, because the economics also play in the race aspect, because good, sustainable jobs that used to be here, there's people blaming people for the disappearance of those jobs. They're pointing fingers at that. They're trying to say they trying to blame people, particularly there is you took my job, you stole my job. We can talk about the steel mill, we can talk about the coal mill, we can talk about the entire industry. We can talk about those industries. So when you talk about economics, and then you add race on top of it, you have a powder cake. And to me, what you saw in Charlotte take place there is the removal, the discussion and removal of those statues led to where it was, because there's some people who, who are holding on to those statues. But you see what took place in South Africa, I mean, South, South Carolina? Nine people had to die in order for that flag to come down. Nine people. That didn't make any sense. That nine people, nine innocent people by a sick individual went into a church. And, and, and those people, families were forgiving. 
They were forgiving to what took place when all nine of those people innocently was killed in a church. So is there not anything sacred anymore? Congressman Dwight Evans joining us here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, along with Ryan Boyer, also in the studio, Bill Ross, uh, president of the Newspaper Guild, and he joins us. Bill, I know you want to weigh in. I'll give you a chance to chat with the congressman. Thanks, <clears throat> thanks, Joe. Good evening, Congressman. And, Good evening. And I do agree with, with both of you, um, especially Ryan just made a good point. When you're watching these talk shows, um, very predictable on what's going on, and you know the present administration is not condoning or it took them a real long time to condone what's happening today in Virginia. Um, and we have a real problem on our hands, and it's only getting worse. Well, I think, I think Bill, part of why it's getting worse is, I, I think, as Ryan said earlier, I think they thought with the election of President Obama that would magically remove years of, of deep-seated hatred. One presidency will not do it. And it's not just the presidency. It's all of us. I'm in Congress. And all of us, those of us in Congress, United States House and the Senate have equal responsibility. I don't think no president by himself. I think I need to, I need to, whatever issues we have, we have to have these kinds of discussions. And they have to be discussions where we don't pull our punches about why certain things happen and why they are where they are. As Ryan said earlier, when he talked about the policing aspect, and let me tell you something, police have an impossible job. I'm the first one to say that. It is not easy being a police officer. It is thankless. But we put police in situations that basically it is impossible for any police officer to deal with because those of us in the political process don't want to deal with the social ills, and we expect people in the police department to deal with issues. Police departments can't deal with inadequate education, uh, job creation. They're trained for enforcement. That's what they train for. They train to catch the bad guy. But the reality of it is you take police officers that you train, and then we put them in situations where we want them to cure issues that we ourselves haven't been able to cure. Uh, Congressman, we're going to hold you over for the break, but we have to pay sure. bills. Uh, no so we're going to go to a break, and we'll, we'll pick up the conversation mm-hmm. when we come back. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You're listening to the replay of our conversation with Congressman Dwight Evans from last Saturday, uh, moments after all of the details unfolded down in Charlottesville. Congressman, let me ask you, change and transition to what I perceive to be an incredible amount of responsibility uh, on your shoulders and on the shoulders of all of our leaders today um, as the threat and, and the conversation uh, proceeds hour by hour, day by day with what's going on in North Korea. Your thoughts? Well, you know, first and foremost, uh, I absolutely do not agree that you should use language like fire and fury under no circumstances. Even the, even the head of Germany came out today and said, that is counterproductive behavior. If we know anything from history, that will not solve anything. You only have to look at history. History, we need to be students of history. Using language of fire and furious is counterproductive. We who are in the Congress, if you look at Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution, the power is in the hands of the Senate and the House. We. The president can't take that kind of action. 
Now, he could say what he wants to say, and I don't agree with using that kind of language. I'm telling you. And there's no way that I'm trying to protect the, the crazy in North Korea. He's wrong. I don't agree with what he's doing, and I don't agree with his behavior. So I'll make it very clear. I don't think it's a question of talking about President Trump versus the president of North Korea. Have we not learned anything? Well, we only have to look at history. America used to say, walk quietly and carry a big stick. It right. seems like now we're walking loudly and carrying no stick. Well, you know, we, we, are, we are a superpower. We don't get down to the level of North Korea. When you're comparing a United States president and the president, the dictator of North Korea, we're already in bizarre world right there. And to me, to the point you raised, let me say this. If the president, to me, was wanting to do something, you get the Democrats and Republican leadership together. And then you show a collective force about North Korea. You don't just, to me, by yourself, get out there and talk about fire and fear. You have the collective leadership of Democrat and Republican standing there with you. There's no way you can talk about fire and I I agree with you, but now we're going to move to another subject that's near and dear to my personal heart because I have a son that's in the honors program at Cheney University. So I I saw you uh, made statements about Cheney. Could you give any update or what you think about? Well, bottom line is uh, uh, myself along with uh, Senator Casey and Congressman Brady, we all collectively uh, spoke to the governor's office. We spoke to the uh, to the uh, the person who is the uh, chief lawyer for the governor. Uh, we spoke to the activists, and we said basically, Cheney is the oldest African American college first in America that started. And the reality is, Cheney is very valuable. It's valuable to a lot of teachers that came out of there. It is an asset to this state and to this. So we collectively talking to Casey's office, and I know. Congressman Brady, and I know the governor, collectively, we said there's no way that Cheney can close. We have to figure out a way. There's a college called Paul Quinn in in southern part of America that he figured out to change the mission of Paul Quinn in a way to make sure that it was appropriate. So I'm saying to you, Ron, that we collectively are all uh, working. I spoke now, to Representative Mr. Evans, I, I offered my services to uh, the governor. Uh, Jordan Harris and uh, Bob Bogle and Vincent Hughes and whoever want to listen, I have some ideas. Uh, my son could have went anywhere, as, as evidenced by the fact that he's in the honors program at Cheney. But we chose that for a very specific reason, and I think that you know some ideas of people that aren't in government may may it may be time for those ideas to be heard. Well, I talked. To, I'm glad you brought up Senator Hughes. I did talk to him also uh, about a week ago. He said he's having a meeting with the governor about it. So. I think that the attention of Casey, Brady, Hughes with the government, and it will be that kind of action that will save what we consider an asset to the state and to this country. And, and Ryan, I think somebody like you for keeping everybody's seat to the fire, because that's important. I'm going to say to all of you, those of us in office, all of us, our feet have to be kept to the fire, and we all have to be accountable. Well, Dwight, I, you know, I appreciate you. You know, you're, you're one of my favorites. I get in trouble, but, you know, I'm a I'm a guy to say numbers matter, you know. Thank you you know, men that. lie, women lie, but numbers don't. And, and just based off the sheer volume of things you've been able to do for the Northwest, I have, you know, nothing but great, great, great respect for you and glad now that you're in Washington, D.C. to check some of this power. Thank hey. you for calling in on hey. a Saturday Thank night, you. Dwight. And, so, and I appreciate y'all giving me this opportunity. Congressman Dwight Evans joined.
joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Uh, Jay Doc, great stuff just to listen to the words uh, of Congressman uh, Evans, um, especially with all the chaos and everything going on. I want to thank all of our listeners for being a part uh, of the big show today and for listening. And remember, union members and friends of the labor community, you are cordially invited to witness and to join J Doc tonight. You still have time. Absolutely. It's Mayweather and McGregor. That fight's not going to start for a while anyway, J Doc. Absolutely. Um, I give you our last 60 seconds of the show just to talk about what is going to be a fantastic night tonight. Well, it's a very festive night and, and certainly going to be unprecedented. Uh, obviously, we want to thank Johan Promotions for giving us the opportunity. It's a private event open to all uh, union members and friends of labor, union families. Uh, it's a union solidarity night uh, for the benefit of the Joseph J. Doherty uh, Legal Defense Fund, and that's obviously a near and dear, uh, you know, charity that. Uh, this is a big fight, Jay Doc. This is a big, this is a big opportunity. It'll be a fun night as well. Just incredible. I mean, you know, we're going to have, like I said, there's going to be food. There's going to be festivities. There's going to going to be some great action. This is the biggest pay per view event. I think in the you know the, in the history of pay per view. Now, where is it tonight? Give the give, give out. Bricklayers the Local One Twenty Seven Oh Six Black Lake uh, Place. It's right up uh, Southampton and McNulty, right up in that area, uh, in the far north, great far northeast. And so uh, we really uh, we're looking forward to an awesome night, and looking forward to seeing everybody there. And let's not forget, like you said, the action, man. Mayweather McGregor. Who doesn't want to know? What the heck is going to happen there, man? It's going to be crazy. Join us all there. Join the entire crew from Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor as we jump out of the studio here at 4th and Market and we make our way uh, up to the big night, Mayweather and McGregor uh, tonight. That's going to do it for the big show tonight here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of Ryan Boyer, on behalf of J-Doc, I'm Joe Krause. We'll see you next time. I've seen that open space. I hope you're saving that for medical marijuana because I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm a big fan of that, and I just want to let you know. We're talking big numbers. We're talking, as you know, they're talking trillions, but we're talking mucho billions around here of unionized pension money. I haven't heard in six weeks one conversation about Russia yet. That's the reality. They come to me about jobs. They come to me a little bit about Obamacare, but they don't come to me about Russia. And with Philadelphia jumping out of the seams as a hospitality town, we need our transportation to be clean, efficient, safe, and on time. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.